Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, you're now tuned into the follow through with Clips and Drew NBA podcast, episode 280. Drew is still grieving. From his Lakers getting swept, LeBron is still being so LeBronish. Of course, he has a torn ligament in his foot. Clips and Drew have some interesting trades for Anthony Davis should the Lakers pull the trigger. The Boston Celtics are back in this series. Can they get one more in Miami? Duncan Robinson has been hooping. White men can't jump was a travesty. And once again, Scotty Pippen be tripping. It's the follow through with Clips and Drew, you bastards. Drew, let me hear that beat drop. What up, podcast world? What's up, everybody? You know what it is. You know where you're at. It's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, the True Players Podcast, episode 280. We had technical difficulties yesterday. Drew is living his beach life as well up in Oxnard. He's got a full house of people. It was jamming our Wi-Fi. We couldn't get out the episode, but we got everybody playing solitaire in a room next door. Uh, we have Barstool Ben, who is you know doesn't want to be on our show because he doesn't want to jinx it about his Boston Celtics, which we're going to get to talking about in a little bit. But Drew, you know, I waited a few days. You know, I let the the smoke the smoke clear and the dust settle on your Lakers season. Um, it had a lot of promise. You you had that that Golden State series with with uh, Lakers in six didn't work out so well with your Lakers in six in the, uh, against the nuggets. And we have a lot to, to talk about regarding LeBron and whatnot, but I kind of want to talk about that series really quick. Anything you want to get off your chest. I know that, um, I mean, it started pretty gloom for the Lakers, as we all know, two and 10 at the start, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook wasn't really working, got rid of Russ, uh, Palinka in the front office, got you in a whole new squad. Um, that actually was really good in the second part of the season, had a great series against Memphis, great series against Golden State, and then you face this Denver Nuggets team, which I I, I think we need to talk about as well. But your thoughts right now, bro? You feeling okay? What's going on? Well, yeah, I think the word right now that I feel, even, even having let a few days pass, is disappointed because, you know, while I think the better team won, I think Denver was the better team. And and it's not, you know, it shouldn't be a shocker to anybody that they were able to do what they did to us, uh, the Lakers. Uh, I just do. I, I It feels like we didn't play our best basketball in that last round. And there was moments where we were playing well as a team and, and individually we had some pretty stellar performances, but we really couldn't get it done. And I, I truthfully, like on the last podcast, we were coming back to LA looking at game three going being down oh two and and I, I I felt it then and I still feel it now like not being able to take advantage of the opportunity of, of stealing game one or putting them away in game two really did feel like the series was over even if it you know I wasn't thinking it was going to be a sweep right that was the thing right, and right 
And the truth of the matter is, you know, uh, Anthony Davis has a lot to answer for as far as his inconsistencies, not in this series alone, but throughout the playoffs of like, why can't you put back to back games together that are important and emphatic? And especially when we have an old LeBron James, each game matters more to us as he is our you know best player at times, our second best player most of the time. So Anthony Davis has a lot to answer for. I think LeBron did a really good job generally, right? And now, of course, it comes out that he has been playing. He's been playing with a torn tendon in his foot again. So LeBron-ish. I so mean, the, we, the word is LeBron-ish. You're going to hear it a lot on this episode, okay? I feel like we called that three weeks ago. I just the, the script writers were in. I know that the NBA script that was leaked had Lakers-Celtics. Clearly, that's fucking bogus because it's not going to be. Thank God. Thank it's God. It's not going to be Lakers-Celtics, that's for sure. Um, but anyway, I do think the LeBron script was written well, and we, we knew as soon as the Lakers run came to an end, whether that ended in a championship, a loss in the finals, or a loss to this Denver Nuggets team in the fashion that we got swept, that information would be leaked. So, uh, you know, kudos to him for playing as good as he did with a with a torn tendon. I'll say that. Uh, and, uh, you know, as much as I know that they'll lean on the fact that he wasn't his best because of the tendon. At the same time, I saw this man do crazy dunks and run as fast as I've seen him run all season. So I, I don't know if that's a valid excuse to me, and I don't want to lean on that. I think we got outplayed, and I think we did a good job of throwing up different shit to confuse no- Jokic and, and and try to cause him havoc. Uh, and he, even still, he, per, he you know persisted throughout that series and was phenomenal. But it was Jamal Murray, really, when I look at what happened in the series as the deciding factor. We could not figure out a way to stop Jamal Murray, and credit to him, he was making very difficult shots. Uh, you know, even even the ones where we were able to contest and get around a screen or get in front of his face, the dude was on fire. And so, uh, I think that when I the, the biggest takeaway that I have from the series is we Lakers underperformed, but the the, the Denver Nuggets, especially J- Jamal Murray, overperformed, and they have to be looked at as a as a complete and utter threat to win this title. I don't care who comes out of the East, you know, we have a tight one now as, as, as Boston has rallied and won two in a row, but whether it's the Celtics or the heat coming out of the East, I think Denver has to be the favorite team, even though I guess truthfully, Boston would have home court advantage. But when you have Jokic able to do everything that he's able to do and Jamal Murray kicking in, let me get you the stats. I mean, if he can play anywhere near as good as he did against us in the finals, you have to assume Denver's going to win the championship regardless of who they play. In this series, 32.5 points per game on 53% shooting and 41% from three with 95% from the free throw line, also threw in six rebounds and five assists per game. That's that's championship-level shit right there when you have that's the Jamal? MVP. That's Jamal for the right. series, for the four right. games that we played against the Lakers, that he played against the Lakers, rather. Uh, and I think, our again, I think our, our, uh, our game plan – kind of worked in our favor we just didn't bank on the fact that jamal murray would go super saiyan for the kids out there for the youngsters he he went full on next level all nba type of shit and uh when you think about the path that the lakers have gone through to get to facing the nuggets and jamal murray uh you look at we went through jaw and and desmond bain in, in memphis and we went through stephen clay in golden state and you look at those guys and you go why couldn't we do what we did to Jamal Murray. And the truth of the matter is, is I don't think Jamal Murray's better than Steph Curry, but he was able to make more shots uh, and and they were able to get him cleaner looks consistently against us. And we could not figure out how to guard him the way that we did those other teams. So hats off to Denver, man. 
I I think we're looking at the champions uh, of of this season. You know, we uh, I said at the beginning of the year that the scariest team to me was Denver going into the year yep. to me being like against the Clippers. I wasn't even thinking about like the whole NBA, which, in, you know, everything you just said is so true. I don't necessarily think that Jamal Murray overperformed. We know that he's capable of this. What I think this series and uh, just the whole playoffs for Denver in general is everything that we've been preaching on this show, man. I just, you know, last night I was re I was watching this thing on league pass, just about the, the nuggets full season, man. And these guys have bought in since day one. Their first practice was like September 29th. I was looking at this and they were literally talking about winning a championship from September 29th, right? Uh, up until we're watching right now. They are super well coached. I think Mike Malone, you know, even with all the, the crazy shit that he's been saying in the press conferences, <laughs> I think he he believes that though, Drew. You know, he's not just spewing, uh, you know, shit for, for people to tweet and whatnot. I think he believes all of that. Uh, the way, you know, I, I always say the patience you have to have as an organization, building teams, building players, not trading them away early. We see that we saw what how patient they've been with Jamal Murray and his injuries. And, you know, it came out that, uh, you know, Jamal was super frustrated after that second one. And Mike Malone just said, hey, man, you're ours. You're ours. We're riding with you until the end. You know, uh, taking Michael Porter Jr. early, who, you know, the Clippers could have gotten him. He dropped low in the draft. Denver takes him even with the injuries and whatnot. He had injuries in the NBA. Um, and he's turned himself into this really good basketball player. He's very one-dimensional coming in as far as a jump shooter and whatnot. What won that series was Jokic, obviously, with 30 and what was it, 30, 13, and 10 is what this guy's averaging, which is absolutely insane. And then the Murray numbers that you just brought up, but the other guys too, Porter Jr., it wasn't he wasn't like lighting them up from everywhere, but defensively he played well. He was attacking the boards, getting rebounds. Uh, you know, utilizing the 6'10 span that he has, he can get any jumper he wants, right? Like there is nobody, it's like KD, like nobody's going to block this guy's jumper. Mm -hmm. But what Mike Malone and the team needed from him is more of like you to be active and setting these screens with your wide body. And, you know, Bruce Brown had a couple good games. Uh, KCP had a couple good games. These guys, uh, Aaron Gordon, who finally had a really good game mm -hmm. in, the, in, the, in the last one, really put up a really good effort. I just think this team the reason why they were so scary is because they all bought in and uh, it, it, and you know, moving forward in the NBA with, with the thing that we're going to talk about a lot with tax aprons and getting all, you know, all these certain players under one roof to be able to compete for a title. Denver has 150 million committed to their starting five, right? Which is a, which is a lot of bread. Um, and some of these players are probably going to be able to get a lot of money elsewhere at some point, but the, the job isn't done. Joker is like the sun and everybody else just revolves around him, you know, and with him being the sun, it creates, you know, I don't think Jamal Murray averages this kind of these kind of numbers without a joke, without a yoke. Uh, Absolutely. You know I mean? Same with everybody else within that system. I just think it works. They are super well coached from top to bottom. Um, I was even watching them after they won that game against the Lakers. And, you know, Mike Malone's like, look, we're, we, this isn't the end goal. Western Conference Finals is not the end goal. Winning the Western Conference isn't the, in the, isn't the end goal. It's winning the championship. And like you just said, I fully agree with you. There's no other player. There's not a better player right now on the planet than Joker. And, you know, it's crazy because, you know, three weeks ago, we're talking like, holy shit, Kevin Durant and D book. Wow. And then <laughs> Steph Curry does this 51 point game, best player in the world. And then we see Jason Tatum do it in his back against the wall game seven with a 50 piece. 
And then it's Jimmy Butler, right, that we're all fucking talking about. But at the end of the day, it's this guy who literally can care less about any of the individual awards. He doesn't even want – they were – uh, I don't know what podcast I was listening to or it was some radio show or Stephen A or something like the NBA has no idea how to market Jokic because he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't want to be that guy. Right. Like he doesn't uh, want to do the commercials. He doesn't want to do the postgame interviews. He wants to give all accolades to his teammates, which is completely opposite of LeBron James, which we're going to talk about in a minute. <laughs> but the thing that came to my head is like if I was. Uh, um, if I was an advertiser or a marketing agency, like the the narrative about about uh, Jokic getting drafted during a Taco Bell commercial, if I'm Taco Bell, I'm like full in on Jokic, right? Like, yes. fucking give me this guy. Let's build something funny where he doesn't have to say much. And Taco Bell would be shooting shooting to the rafters right now. And and also, dude, I'm gonna be say a couple pissed off things on this show at some point, but like. How does Mark Jackson not have this guy in his MVP voting? Like, how does an NBA <laughs> analyst, you know, who has a vote and stuff, like, how how does he not have Jokic? Are you not watching? And then when you're when you're listening to him, and I love Mark Jackson, you guys know I do. And when you're listening to him talk about Jokic during the game, he's like, "Wow, this guy can pass the basketball." And it's like, "No shit, man, where you been for three years?" You know, so basically, I just wanted to give props to Denver. This is what it takes to build a championship team, championship culture that everybody wants to talk about. It's kind of the same thing that's going on with Miami, except Denver ha just has way better players and a superstar that you can actually build around. The funniest quote I saw, Drew, uh, and it had me laughing. And if it doesn't make you laugh, anybody listening to this show, somebody uh, tweeted that Yo Nikola Jokic plays like a guy in flip-flops. <laughs> 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 right if you're just if you're just playing in flip-flops that's how this guy plays the one foot jumpers oh, and everything God. he's just really fun to watch man and and um i don't know how you stop it on the lakers end uh i agree with you too like we there's always we're always expecting more from ad and when he underperforms we're we're on his ass and then it's like when he gives you that 22 and 14 it's not enough you know and i, I i'm not necessarily sure that 26 and 18 would have made that huge of a difference in this series but i get what you're saying from from a from a laker standpoint this is your second guy at times he's as good if not better than jokic right than jokic whatever you you know however you're feeling but um i think you guys have a lot of questions that need to be answered going into this offseason without let's 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 plan that lebron is back next year <laughs> let's just plan because we haven't even talked about that yeah. other stuff but let's plan that LeBron is coming back next year for year 21. He just, he has an extension. He has a two-year extension on the yeah, book. He just signed it last offseason. Uh, for 90? Was it two for 90? Yeah, it's a lot of money. He's got like 40-something this next year and then like 47-something the following year. And, and AD's up there too in those numbers. He's <clears> in the <throat> 30s, right? Like mid-30s right around there. He's got good money coming in. So what do you think it's going to take – what do you think the Lakers are going to do? Because you have a lot of. I mean, is it is it yeah. going to be Schroeder? Are we going? Are you going to go all in on Austin Reeves? Uh, which I think I think he's going to be gone. I don't see him taking a pay cut because I think somebody's going to throw him like that eighty five, that eighty, and I don't know if the Lakers can match it. Is Schroeder coming back? I think personally, before you answer, I think Rui is the one that you guys need to focus on to get back. Well, yeah. So there's obviously within the series. 
as as I'm talking about like us not being able to figure out how to handle Jamal Murray, we didn't really see Malik Beasley, so I I don't know how much he's going to be sticking around. I wouldn't I and we also didn't see Troy Brown at all. Like those those two guys when the when the trade happened were starting, they were in the the mix playing a lot of minutes and then they've tapered off uh, over the course of the playoffs where you know even the regular season for Beasley, he just stopped getting in the rotation. But I wouldn't have mind seeing him just the way that we, you know that Darvin Ham gave Lonnie Walker a look and it was like a fresh you know just a fresh new look and he came in guns blazing and I it would have been nice to see Troy Brown or Beasley given a try in this series but those two guys we got to take a hard look at for instance those two guys Vanderbilt I really want to keep Jared Vanderbilt we have Phil Handy on our coaching staff Phil is is really good at getting guys comfortable with a jump shot getting them into a rhythm that feels good for them and and helping them develop some sort of semblance of a catch and shoot game I think Vanderbilt is just missing that component a little bit it's not even terrible it's really not terrible so I would love to see Vanderbilt back Hachimura is huge for us. I you saw it time and time again in these playoffs. Sometimes he was at you know in 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 consecutive minutes the best player on the floor for the Lakers in multiple games throughout this postseason. Uh, so uh, and then of course Austin Reeves is I would say the most important piece of all of that. If we're not going to keep Austin Reeves, we have to look at trying to get somebody that can do the same things that Austin Reeves is doing. Uh, and that's hard I, it, to be fair, as we've talked about many times in the last couple of podcasts, this free agency is shallow. So when you're looking at Austin Reeves on the market and trying to bring another playmaker similar to him, there is not a lot. You also talked about Schroeder, who's very important. You're, this offseason, as we've made all these trades, is going to be very, very, very important for the Lakers success moving forward, because what we did see is all of those guys contribute. All the ones I just mentioned at some point during the season after the trade contributed to wins and and contributed to this run to the Western Conference Finals would seem so improbable. Uh, but, of course, it's nice to know that LeBron will be back. Uh, I think Maybe. ultimate. Well, no, it seems like he's going to be back. Well, now, no, know... we're going to get into that in a minute. Just Okay, I'm just going to say it seems like he's going to be back. Okay. So I'm going to assume that he's going to be on the floor, and so is Anthony Davis. Uh, and the rest of the guys, the rest of those guys will have to like, you know, this is where Palinka has got to show his worth. And this is where he hasn't been very good is like taking the success that we've seen and then being able to mold that and push it further. What we've seen is like when we have success, we demolish the team mm -hmm. and try and go get other different pieces or a big name or something like that to try and quote unquote rescue the group when truthfully we just need a solid roster around, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But but it does bring me to those guys because I do want to talk about Anthony Davis and like where the franchise needs to go. And JJ Redick after the after that sweep came out and said that Anthony Davis is not an alpha. Duh. And yeah, I, it's pretty <laughs> obvious that he's not. But I also think it's I also think it's really hard to be an alpha on a team that has LeBron James, who clearly wanted to be the alpha in the last two games of the series, especially in Game Four. And I look at LeBron and I know that he's seeing Anthony Davis not be the stellar Anthony Davis that we've seen at moments over the course of this second half of the year and then at times in these playoffs, every other game in these playoffs, rather. And I just think that there's something there between the two of them where if LeBron's going to be coming back for these next two seasons, I wouldn't mind having Anthony Davis and him have a conversation where LeBron just says, look, like, 
we're really going to go for you being the guy when it, when it's the fourth quarter and you haven't taken a shot in seven minutes. That's that's not us making Anthony Davis the alpha. And I don't know how much I can blame on him for that because the ball doesn't find him much because the ball is going around to ultimately LeBron James when he wants to force the issue. And at times he can. But we saw him be selective, LeBron. So I just I think it what it does make sense for next season for us to kind of ride AD the way that we did in the second half of this regular season. This this season we just had Anthony Davis was the guy, and then in the playoffs I just think there needs to be some some finer communication pieces between those two, where if LeBron is feeling it and we and he has a matchup that he can take advantage of and won't just pull up for three and take the easy way, way out if he's going to continue to put his head down and actually take advantage of the matchup, then okay, it needs to be LeBron's time to have the ball. But, but most nights we need to be featuring Anthony Davis much more. And I just think he still needs to work on his, his accuracy from, from the jump, uh, from, from jump shooting, because that clearly escaped him two years ago. It's gotten better at times in this season that needs to get back to where it was, you know, three or four years ago, he was, nothing but net he was cash from 17 18 feet and in and that that once he gets that handle back on that specific shot i don't worry about the three i'm not i'm hoping he doesn't take many threes but once he gets that back in his bag we become a much more difficult team obviously when anthony davis is doing the scoring and 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 committing to the defensive end the way that he did this entire season we're in a good spot so uh are you though? Like I, I want to, I want to kind of push back a little bit on that because we're seeing that uh, LeBron's mortality, as far as like, yeah, he put up thirty-one in that game and he was phenomenal, but he was gassed towards the end, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, he was definitely gassed, right? We, we know that that Anthony Davis at the end of games d- doesn't perform that that well. We um, again, we don't feature Anthony Davis end of games. Okay, but if if you know, if this foot injury, like, look, if he has to get surgery, they're saying it's going to be two months, right? Two months of, of LeBron rehabbing and whatnot. If you have foot surgery, you're not doing cardio. I mean, obviously he's going to be lifting and whatnot. We're going to go into to year 21 where he's, you know, over the past six, seven years, he's continually like not playing as many games, you know, having some of these injuries. It was, it was feet, it was groins. It was, you know, there's a lot of these things that, that tend to catch up with you. You have, $90 million coming to you the next two years. You have AD stock who's pretty, I mean, probably pretty high. If he has another year of like, uh, yes, underperforming, if that's what we're calling it. Cause I, I hate saying just that. inconsistent. It's okay, just inconsistent. The defensive okay. side of the thing, he's, he's dominant defensively. And I, that was shown out. It's just the offensive inconsistencies. And I think he can fix it. Yeah, I'm going to say a couple things that are going to be super unpopular with Laker fans. All right. And, I, this was based off a conversation that I had with one of my friends who's a very good, very big Laker fan. Not as big as you, but he's big. And he knows basketball very well. And I, you know, I pick and choose when I have conversations with people because this guy <laughs> knows his shit. And he called me after game four. And I, I know he was a little, you know, he had his his drinks in him and he was angry, right? And he, all his anger was basically towards Anthony Davis, right? Which I think a lot of people, you can admit this, Drew, like Laker fans got to find somebody, right? There has to be somebody to put some of the blame on, right? If it's not LeBron, it's AD. If it's not AD, it's Russell. If it's not Russell, it's fucking somebody else. So he was really angry with the output of Anthony Davis. And I sat back and listened to him. And he's like, you know who I would have rather had in that game? And I'm not even bullshitting you. He's like, I would have rather had Dwight Howard. 
And I'm like, oh, I'm like, that actually makes sense. Cause at least like we had Dwight Howard. <laughs> I, I know, I I know, dude. I know you ha- I know you did. But he's like, I would have had Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard would have played harder, would have got more rebounds. He played uh, Jokic really well in the bubble. Like he might have been the guy. And then he could have worked the off. Maybe other players would have got more jumpers. Austin Reeves, Rui, uh, you know, Vandy, Braun, all these other guys. I would have rather had Dwight Howard. And I said, okay, that's a little far-fetched. It's Anthony Davis, right? You saw Darvin Ham swing for the fences with bringing Tristan Thompson in the game, which was just yep. so so wild to me. That shows how short you are in you know, in the front court yep. with big men, which you need to, and is that the, like, you couldn't bring, I would have rather tried boogie out, you know, I don't know besides sure. Tristan Tom, but that's LeBron's boy. Right. Yeah. Um, and so then he's even like, you know what? I I'd even be down right now, trade AD to Dallas for Christian Wood and Kyrie Irving. If Kyrie, I know th- I, I, these are just things I'm throwing. You should see Drew's face guys. And look, I'm not the biggest Christian Wood fan. There's a reason why he's been on seven teams in seven <clears> years. <throat> Uh, Dallas didn't utilize him too well. I basically what he's saying is that maybe AD isn't the guy, right? Because if if say LeBron, this foot injury is tough and it's it's going to linger on. It's one of these lingering on injuries where it's going to go into next season, and then if he plays the following season, AD is going to be your guy. And you would just mention he's not the alpha. How many other alphas are out there? And very few, very few. And then you look at what's being said within the media of like, oh. We're looking at Kyrie and we're looking at Trey Young. And I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) are we doing this again in the front office, dude? Like, does nobody do their homework on this? Are we bringing another one of Braun's boys in here? And Kyrie, really quick, bro, go on IG Live and talk about how you don't want people talking about you, but yet you're going to sit front row at a Laker game, the team that you've been, you know, tied to, you know, wanting to go play for and then ask NBA media and NBA fans to not talk about you. Get the fuck out of here. We're going to talk about it because you shouldn't be at the game anyways. Anthony Edwards, I kind of understand. Young kid, never been to the finals before. Trey I was go- there too. Huh? Trey was there too. Trey was there too. Like, look, we're going to talk about it. So, like, is this the route that we're going? I I personally think you should put feelers out there on Anthony Davis. I really do. And, I, you know, if, if Denver's going to be this good and they keep this core together, you're going to have to have a big to go against Jokic. That's just how it's, how it's going to be. And Anthony Davis is your best bet, but what do you think, man? Should you should you check the ticket on AD and try to bring in a, a whole new fleet of people? Should they? I mean, you got to look at LeBron's age too, right? Well, that's the most important thing. Like, so when people say, "Should we trade Anthony Davis?" I don't think the answer is yes because LeBron is still on this team. I I truthfully think if we are going to allow LeBron to come back and and you know we we offered him a two-year contract extension and he signed it so i'm assuming he's going to be back for next year and the following year again big big money he does play out all his contracts he plays out his contracts too this is true he tends to do that right and we know that there's a big brawny decision brewing even though he deflected that i think the answer to trading anthony davis is no okay i do think if we're going to play the what if game i have two what ifs that could be different we traded away patrick beverly and we got mo bamba could we have gotten a more stout center? Can we bring that up really fast, though? Like, how is Laker media, you know, before game four, like, hey, man, Mo Bamba is available. Whew, thank God. I mean, like, like people were saying that that, that was breaking news. Like, like Mo was in. It was Tristan Thompson that played. Again, back to your point. It's just yes. so funny. Seeing Tristan Thompson out there was the lowest point of the second. After the trade. Tristan Thompson playing minutes in a, in a crucial game the most was the crucial. lowest point of my season <laughs> after we traded Russell Westbrook. So, 
I do think the what if is twofold there. What if we keep Patrick Beverly and then and then we have somebody to actually throw on Jamal Murray? Right? I think about that a lot. And then I think again, going back to what Anthony Davis did in the in the defensive side of things, I I, I completely disagree with your buddy's sentiments around there. I, you can be frustrated with AD for missing shots or mm-hmm. looking sluggish or or whatever else, but not for what he can do defensively. I mean, nobody has more blocked shots against Jokic than Anthony Davis. Nobody was able to stand with him, on, and 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 Jokic just fucking th- slung baskets in uh, critical critical shots. Would just he would just fling them at the hoop, and somehow soccer, they would soccer find, passes. Those were soccer. Some, yeah, somehow they they're finding finding the net. And what I mean, what are you gonna? You're literally gonna blame Anthony Davis for that shit. I mean, get get real, man. I just think, I think very very. Uh, very poignantly, Anthony Davis, one of, if not the top defensive post big men that we have in the NBA. I don't think that can be disputed. No. And I think two is when we feature him and we allow him to get in spots where he knows how to operate, he scores the the ball. When we get him in spots where he has to hoist shit up or go against double teams or, you know, and he's catching the ball too far from the basket, he makes poor decisions a lot. He does. And again, I think his his game somehow has, has slightly tweaked with the lack of his confidence on the jump shot because New Orleans days, he's not, like I said, knocking down 18 footers left and right, knocking down threes left and right. Truthfully. I mean, he was, he was a good, decent three point shooter and that has all fallen away. So Anthony Davis is to me, if we're going to play with LeBron on what are we going to do? Trade Anthony Davis away and bring in three guys that LeBron's going to be like, but who, who are these guys? I'm not ready to play with these guys. Right. So I think that the going back to the what if scenario, fine. Okay. We trade Patrick Beverly from Obama. Maybe can we get somebody else that's big enough other than Rui Hachimura to put on somebody like Jokic? Right. And um, Orlando has a fleet of them that they didn't go for. We gave them one of them, Thomas Bryant. Right. Who didn't play at all. We gave away Thomas Bryant. Mm. So I just think those little things, well, again, going back to like this offseason and how crucial. This is for Palinka and for the Lakers. I'm nervous that he's going to screw this up again. I'm nervous mm-hmm. that he's going to try and reach the fences and do something like bring Kyrie. in Kyrie Irving or bring in Trey Young. And we don't need that. I, 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 <laughs> it should be so obvious to everyone that watched as many Laker games as I did, which is all of them. So maybe not everyone had the opportunity to do that, but it, this team was playing its best basketball when we had a full fleet of eight or nine guys that were on the floor and everyone was trusted and we were running things through Anthony Davis and through LeBron James and through Austin Reeves. Uh, and and it was just, it, it was working, right? You don't necessarily need to have the three stars. We tried that a couple different times. It doesn't always work. A lot of teams have tried that. We can go through the history. It's very recent history. Everyone knows it pretty well. Uh, I do think the team aspect, especially when you look at a team like Denver, right? You look at them and that you got Murray and Jokic, and then the rest of the team is really solid right now. I think that's something that we have won a championship with in the past, something we can replicate again with this roster. Maybe, you know, maybe we lose a couple pieces here and there. Maybe we can't afford Austin Reeves, but we're not trading Anthony fucking Davis for who? For who? Let's be real. LeBron has two years left, and he's what is he going to sign up to play with? uh, Trading away Anthony Davis for. A handful of guys that he doesn't trust that he's going to have to be the man again. It's not going to go that but way. But you also have a future you got to prepare for, dog. I mean, you have that doesn't to- ha- that futures don't matter when you have LeBron James on your roster. Everything, everything points to the fact that futures 
matter zero to LeBron James rosters. They he well, they should care. they should he leverages matter. the future. They should matter to the front office, though. That's all I'm saying is if if you can get a haul from Chicago with Levine in there somewhere with a bunch of other guys, right? Maybe maybe that's a good ticket. AD can go back home, not have huge expectations as you are in L.A. I just think you need to check the ticket on it because the game's getting. That's interesting. Well, OK, so well, let's think let's let's think that through. So it would be Levine for Davis. And then we would probably need like, with if the we big could get man. like if we could get like Patrick Williams Vooch or Vooch. And yeah, OK, that's if what I'm get, saying. If we and could get pick. Levine and Vucevic mm-hmm. and like a couple picks. Yeah, I would be. I would entertain that. You'd I would entertain that. It. But but what is the thing that everyone says about Vooch? He's not the guy, right? And so we're gonna take a huge step back. But then maybe Zach Levine can be the guy. Is that what we're thinking? I'm I'm just thinking. Well, okay. Let me say this. Let me say this. I know. I'll let you go. No, D'Angelo no. Russell is not the guy. So, no, so know that. that's one guy that we have not mentioned. He's going to be a free agent. Please, Laker Nation, do not resign him. But this is my biggest concern: is that it's a sign and trade. D'Angelo Russell, Kyrie Irving with the Mavericks, they do a sign and trade and, and there's other pieces involved to get the deal done and push it over to the other side. I'm nervous for that. But let me say this, Clips, I'd be pretty happy. Like if I have to, if I have to have a roster with this same roster and I choose between D'Angelo Russell or Kyrie Irving, me and everyone else on the fucking planet should be choosing Kyrie Irving a hundred out of a hundred times. So I'm nervous for that because I think there there might be some additional things that we have to give Dallas, not just D'Angelo Russell, uh, that that would really cripple us again. But but if I'm looking at like pretty much a straight up deal where we give uh, D'Lo and like one or two picks, like for instance, this we have like the 17th pick in this draft. If we give them the 17th pick and D'Lo, I'm okay. If it's if it's the 17th pick and like Austin Reeves or like. Vanderbilt and or Hatchimer, you know, all these other things that we can possibly throw in. I'm going to be nervous about it. That's think, that's what I'll say. I think trade, I know trades worth two ways, and some it's not going to be D low for Kyrie straight up. You know what I mean? You exactly. To, that's my point. That's my point. No, that, if there's can no be, way, but it, but D low plus the, the 17th pick and then like Mo Bamba, you know what I'm saying? Like there, that, that in that realm feels all right to me, especially if Dallas is, is literally considering. The fact that he might just walk in free agency and they can get nothing for him. Mm. That's where D'Lo becomes like, okay, well, maybe we can have D'Lo be the Jalen Brunson. If you're Dallas, you can go. Maybe D'Lo can do some of the Jalen Brunson stuff. I I think that's a good thought. I think trading within your conference, especially being a a talent like Kyrie, would be difficult. And I think I think Dallas wants to keep him. I think so, too. I don't necessarily. My preference would be to have neither. (laughs) <laughs> well, look, I think I think D'Lo played himself out of the twenty-seven million dollars a year, and you know yeah. what? We we can talk all we want about D'Lo. I I I, I do like him, right? Like I do like him, and I think he's just know, not. He, he's not a playoff winner. I he's mean, not he's a playoff winner. Not at, a playoff winner at all. And yeah. you guys tried it out twice, and it just didn't work out. But I'm just not necessarily sure what uh, the going rate is going to be for him. And I just think that the the bottom line of what I'm saying is that you got to see what's out there. Because I know there's a lot of teams that would love to have Anthony Davis. You can get a nice yes. haul for Anthony Davis. You're not going to get a Gobert haul, even though that you should for a guy like Anthony Davis. But I don't think people are... Uh, well, if know. there's a superstar involved, it's never going to be the same haul, right? Like, Gobert was traded for a litany of just pieces, right? right. And so if we're getting a superstar in return, and and in what you were what talking you got, about... How about this one? What if you got... Zach Levine. 
What if you what if you got eighty to Utah for Clarkson and their center, the Kessler. Kessler? Yeah. Kessler, Walker Kessler. Yeah. And marketing. Done. <laughs> and marketing. You want the whole bag. If it's all three of those guys, I'm in. You want the whole they have a I good would package D Lo in there and try to get uh uh Sexton. I would try to get Sexton there. See, okay, 80 now- and D Lo for Sexton, Markin, and Kessler and Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> and you and Utah throws us a pick, I'm in. <laughs> so basically Drew's saying he doesn't want AD out of here. I just think no. okay. No I team should it. want to lose Anthony Davis. Okay, but Drew, going back Joel to Joel MP just won the MVP, and I think Davis outperformed him this entire playoffs. I don't think that's that's close. That's very fair. Yes. Yeah. And you know, but Embiid was hurt. I guess if we if we sort of sort of, and and AD's hurt every game, so it's the same. Yeah, AD's AD's got a bunch of things torn. Let's move on to the new segment called "That's So LeBronish." Okay, my favorite, (laughs) my favorite word. I want to get into the post game interview, right? Where in true LeBronish fashion, throws out the. You know, I want to see what I'm. You know, what my careers where where my career's going right now. I got to you know. Think about my future and whatnot, just to take the narrative away from getting swept. And, you know, I think he said a little bit about how Joker was good, but like, this is the time to actually go in and say like, wow, this team was just a better freaking team. You know, we got outplayed. That guy is freaking amazing. I don't want to necessarily talk about next year. Give me a couple weeks. I'm like, my Brawny's graduating next week. You know, right. just give me a couple minutes. And then, you know, of course it comes into, I don't know about my future. And I immediately on our, on our Instagram page, I watched that, that interview. And I immediately went to our page and I said, look, I'm calling it right now. Screenshot it. I think Braun takes a year off to reflect, work out, rest. Obviously now with the new foot injury, uh, take this year off, check in on, on Brawny's development and and then which buys him another year of rest and then pull Michael and come back if he wants to come back to play that final year of his Laker deal or figure out where he wants to go. I just don't. I could be completely wrong. I don't think LeBron wants a LeBron tour, a retirement tour. I don't I think LeBron is too uh, he's too big of a figure to be doing that. But you never know with LeBron because LeBron lo- loves to be praised and he would love to be praised in every single NBA arena. Um, I don't think he I don't think he's at the stage in his career where he needs to retire. We just saw this happen in the playoffs. Like the guy was great. Was he LeBron of old? Like, I don't know. Kind of. There was a version of him that was really there was good. a couple moments. Yeah, there's there's definitely moments. Can he still help you win it? Win a champion? The thing is, is he can't win it by himself anymore. And I think Correct. looking on what's been going on the past two, three years with the Lakers, since you guys won the chip, like he's real, he's realizing that not only is your time getting thinner and thinner, but like if I'm going to spend my time playing with this team, it has to be a perfect team. I think he's seeing the cracks in the cracks in the paint as far as AD goes, right? Maybe he's not that guy. Like, fuck, this isn't the guy I thought I was going to be getting. This isn't Russell Westbrook. Isn't the guy I thought I was going to be getting when in actuality, look in the mirror, it's probably you, you need to change some things. You're not everybody, you know, everything changes when people play with, with you, like you had just mentioned. So I wouldn't put it past LeBron to say, fuck it. I'm going to take a year off, right? Cause I still want to possibly play with Bronny, even though he says he said the right thing that a dad should say, like, it's my dream to play with Bronny. Maybe it's not his dream. And, that was a great dad thing to say. Internally, I think LeBron 1000% wants to play with Bronny. So it took me back to this funny 
thing that I was thinking about the other day, or maybe funny. It took me back to a classic mid eighties, ni- 1980s movie, Rodney Dangerfield back to school. Okay. Great movie. Great freaking movie. LeBron James just retires. Okay. He's got four years of eligibility. He goes to USC and I'm playing with Bronny at UST. I'm going to get my degree and I'm just going to win a national championship. Like I he never can't go back to for it. his, he can't go back for the sport that he's a professional in. He has he's, to play. He has to play a different sport. The new CBA is not signed yet. The, the ink's not done yet. Maybe LeBron can push <laughs> the narrative and fix that. But that's look, the NCAA, not the, not the CBA. Hey, NCAA ratings are going down too. Cause everybody's going pro. It's LeBron just, could go play football for USC, but he can't well, play this, basketball. The reason why I'm thinking about it, Drew, is because obviously, like, there's this documentary that's been filming with LeBron for two years, right? Been covering everything LeBron does, locker rooms, everything, uh, every move he makes, every workout, every game. And the whole point of this documentary was to not only cover, you know, him breaking the scoring t- title, but also to possibly win an NBA title, right? And what a story that would be. You know, Lakers win this year, and uh, it's all documented. He he can go at Mike for the last dance shit, but it's it'll never be the last dance because the last dance was probably the greatest piece of sports documentary ever. Um, but like, what is in this documentary for the past two years? It's a failure of the year last year from LeBron standards. Yeah. It's it's a bitterness. It's a it's a fight with Russell Westbrook. You bring him in, your team three sixty, then you get him out. If if you're filming everything in the locker room, that means Russell Westbrook's got to be there, and maybe the Laker uh, front office or the teammates and LeBron and Gen- and LeBron specifically will be. People might look at it and be like, damn, maybe Russell wasn't the vampire in the locker room. You know, maybe it was you guys being assholes to him. So, and you know, uh, LeBron also did the awesome documentary Redefined with J.R. Smith. If you haven't watched it yet, it's awesome where J.R. Smith goes back to school to play golf. And he, it's an awesome doc. Did you watch it, Drew, or no? I have yet to see it. It's so good. And you'll have Amazon. It's Amazon Prime. It's awesome. And J.R. Smith, you will have a new like love for this guy. The guy got a 4.0 in college too. Like Bravo. But I'm I'm tipping my cap. I'm I'm saluting you. It was amazing. I was just thinking like that is so LeBron to do that. Now, with the docu with the documentary, I think it could be like instead of running it back one more time, like going through the going through the doldrums of of the NBA, right? Which is training camp, which is you know, maybe starting the season two and 10, fighting your way back, doing all this. Maybe he does take the year off and he spends it being a dad, hanging out with Brawny, Savannah, Zuri, Bryce, like uh, his kids going to Brawny's games, working out. And then for the final act in this documentary, it's to come back for that second year. And whether, you know, Brawny's in the NBA at that time, which I don't think he's a one and done guy. I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't think he is yet, but I mean, you don't have a full documentary yet, right? It can't that can't be the end of it. The fact that the documentary exists, first, we know that any documentary can be scrapped, right? So first and foremost, any documentary can go away at the fucking snap of a finger, especially if LeBron does not get the ending that he wants to to have. Uh, so I wouldn't put that past him. but but secondly, uh, the documentary makes me think that that he's coming back for sure because he wants one more taste of the finals. Because he wants that documentary ending like you're talking about that puts him in the finals once again. And maybe maybe we win it and and then he can ride off into the sunset and that's the way he retires. Uh, or maybe we lose in a valiant effort, but he still gives all his all of you know all he can. And he's 39 and they just 
play that up and maybe he'll have some other injury that they can talk about on the documentary next year. Uh, but I think the documentary to me does lead very similarly to the path of let's run this back one more time. Like we have Darvin Ham, who seems to be connecting with LeBron and AD and everybody else. Uh, it does kind of play into the like, okay, well, we'll bring in Kyrie now. It does play into that fucking like storyline, which uh, whatever, man, we'll, we'll see how that all works. Uh, or Trey young, but, but all of those kinds of storylines do play in together. If, when you think about the documentary and like, he's going to make one more push. That's the thing is. And also, by the way, we were way, I was under for his con it's $53 million, 53.3 million dollars for next year, 57.6 million for the following season. Mm. He's not, I don't think he's walking away, bro. I think I still think he has the dream of playing with Bronny. Uh who Bronny to me is like Avery Bradley. We can get into that. I have a I have a pretty decent comp with Avery Bradley. Uh so there's a path forward for Bronny if he wants to make it there. But I think I think LeBron knows for sure that next year may be the last the in fact the last true season that he can really gun for a finals. I think he sees what we were able to do in this season. We bring in Kyrie. I'm, that's kind of his his mo is like, well, let, well, let's bring in another guy, and we'll let go of Austin Reeves. I guarantee it. I guarantee if Kyrie comes in, to. Austin's Austin's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my guess is that's kind of the way that it's going to go. I think it's going to go like that. Which again, I don't, I don't really want, but I can foresee happening. And then maybe after that, he he you know makes a decision based on how Bronny does this year at USC. Right, because the USC season for Bronny is going to be really important as to whether or not he can make the leap, and and different scouts can put him into a lottery sort of situation, or LeBron himself can navigate a path to get Bronny drafted, and that's where Bron can say, "I'm going to decline the player option that I have on the second year. I'm going to go be a free agent. I'm going to sign with whatever team, you know, signs my son. Who knows how that'll be?" And I just I can only imagine being Bronny and having those legs literally swept out from under you all the work that you have done as an individual now becomes a bidding war for players for teams that want the last piece of LeBron James your 40 year old dad right and and who your 40 year old dad who will be taking your minutes essentially because you won't be playing the minutes that 40 year old Bron is going to be playing he's going to be playing a lot uh but anyway to me I I do think retirement is off the table for next year I truth I truthfully think so I like if it would be one thing, right? Like if Bronny was uh like a five-star recruit and was going to these top, top programs and everyone was foaming at the mouth to get him in the NBA, the way I think that you know potentially could happen for Bryce. Uh it's not. That's not the case. Bronny's Bronny, you know, did not have very many high-level uh offers, as far as I know. I, I look. LeBron makes a call to any Nike school. They go, okay, fine. We'll offer your son a fucking, we'll offer him a scholarship. Uh, but I think it was a relatively shallow draft pool for or a, a recruiting pool for Bronny compared to even some of his teammates and some of the guys that he played up against in the mission league. Shout out to my mission league, the, the league that I played in in high school. So um, look, we're prognosticating here. We're looking into the future. LeBron will be back. Anthony Davis will be back. I think if Bron has his way, Kyrie Irving will be there. D'Lo, Austin Reeves will go, and then we'll try and keep some semblance of the rest of the guys 
around is is my guess. So in in finality, this is what I my whole point was saying. So your future will be AD and Kyrie. And at the end of the day, that's not something that works. That's not. No, and it's not really a future. I think it's a present. Clips. This is how the Lakers operate. And, I get and it. I think this it's very different than every other organization in the NBA. We do not operate in the future. The Lakers, just like the Yankees, we operate in the fucking now. Who is good right now? Because that's how we've been able to stack to to to, to maintain our you know uh our establishment as being a very good team in the NBA. It's it, the years that we suck are the years that we can't get top level players to go cool i'm jumping ship i'm gonna go be a laker those are the years that we struggle uh so it's not about the future it never has been I, really other than drafting kobe bryant which we didn't even do but trading for kobe bryant and developing him we have neglected to develop any single player so it's not about the future it never is with the lakers it's about what is it now don't you think it should though yeah it'd be great but look at the warriors Look at what the Warriors did. They split their franchise in two, the now and the future. And I think it's I think it's held them hostage in a sense. Right? It has held them hostage in a sense. They don't want to get rid of Poole. They don't want to get rid of Kaminga. They don't want to get rid of Wiseman. They don't want to get rid of Moody. And they don't want to get rid of Steph and Clay and, and Dre. Mm. So they try to, to walk the same path two different directions at the same time. You got to go now or you got to go future, right? That's the way that I think basketball is the cleanest. It's different when you have football, you have 45, 50 players. When you have 12, 14 guys, pick a path, and that's the way that it works the best. Good take. Um, I had a question. Our boy Goose asked us a question that he wanted us to bring up on the show, uh, and this will fit in perfectly to what we're talking about. He said, question for the next pod. Is it better for LeBron's legacy to lose now in the conference finals or in the final, considering he will have one more final he lost? And then he followed it up with oh. additional to uh, in addition to the LeBron question the other day, does being swept mean anything? And no, uh, I don't want to hate on Braun, although he should keep his mouth shut and let us enjoy how great he is at this age. Um, <laughs> I have a, you know, to, to be the first one to answer that, like, I think LeBron's legacy is solidified. I don't think being swept or losing another finals or conference finals, I think his legacy is there. It's it's there. The numbers are there. Everything's there. I don't think him. Uh, I think him just making it to this particular Western Conference Finals is another notch on the belt for his his legacy. Of course, he'd want uh, to win another one. It'd be like just so storybook if this guy got to another finals and got another victory. But I think our expectations for LeBron, we again, we get numb to how great this guy is. And we're going to blink our freaking eyes and LeBron's going to be gone, you know? And this these numbers are so unattainable. for We're talking about how amazing Jokic is. I keep wanting to say Jokic. It works. Joker, Jokic, it is. Um, how amazing he is. But do I see him getting to 10 or 11, like, conference finals? Like, I, I don't know. It's so hard to get to. So I think LeBron's legacy, if he quit today, is still going to be up there on your Rushmore. He'll be your best player. He'll be your second best player. If you're a hater, he'll be your sixth best player if you want to go there. <laughs> but um, I do think it hurts himself personally to get swept. No no uh, right. alpha male, no LeBron, no Kobe, no Michael, no, uh, no T-Mac. None, none of these guys want to get swept in a conference finals and you could tell in a, in any series 
and it's happened to LeBron on a couple occasions. Um, but uh, again, I just don't. I don't think LeBron needs to do anything else for his right. legacy. I don't. Yeah, I'm with you. I I think the the question itself, like, what's better, losing in the Western Conference Finals or losing in the finals, only deepens the argument for the side that you've already chosen. If your team, Michael Jordan. You want him to lose in the conference finals or in the finals as another reason to go, look, there's another thing that he didn't do that Jordan did. Jordan goes 6-0 and he wins finals. Mm -hmm. If you're Team LeBron, you go, look at what this fucking guy just did, right? And and the fact that like people, Team LeBron always talks about the 10 straight finals, as they should, because that's fucking phenomenal. That's insane. 10 straight finals is crazy, right? Is it 10 or was it 9? I don't know. I, I feel like it was doesn't 10. matter anything over like it, three. Ex- exact. Thank you. So th- this is my point. Like, I think that the sides have already been chosen when it brings up the greatest of all time. Most people have made up their mind already. And anything now just deepens the argument for the, for one side or the other. I tend to err on the side of Mike. I I'm, I'm a Mike guy. I'm a Michael Jordan guy. I think he's the greatest ever. I think LeBron's number two. And the points that I've made in the past on this podcast, I won't rehash, but there is, to me, like the end of game one against the Nuggets where LeBron has two possessions in a row where he pulls up for three when Jamal Murray is on him, and then he decides to not take on Jamal Murray when we run a play for him to get Jamal Murray one-on-one and tosses the ball to Austin Reeves. That is stuff that Michael Jordan just didn't do. So you can take that however you want. Uh This isn't a goat talk, though. It's not a goat talk. It's not. No, no. I'm talking about very specifically that particular game, right? When when there's blood in the water, we talk about the killer instinct. And I think there is, there has been made many times the point that LeBron lacks, potentially lacks that type of killer instinct. That that end of game one could could for me as as the Michael Jordan guy could prove the point. But the LeBron James fan would would look at that play completely differently and say he didn't have the thing that he wanted, or if he hits that three, then you're saying the other thing because, you know, then the Lakers are up by one, blah, 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 blah. Again, it just goes back to my initial thought where teams are already picked here. This doesn't change anyone, anything for anybody. Yeah. And I think you're completely right with even having that discussion. It really doesn't matter if uh, you're not going to change anybody's mind, right? If you're a Michael guy or a LeBron guy or a Kobe guy, nothing I say or you say, is going to change your mind. All we can do is have um, a discussion, an educated discussion, and have good points like you just made and and I just made about why we think these guys are as good as they are. But when it comes down to legacy, everybody wants to talk about legacy all the time. Legacy yeah. is in the eye of the beholder, right? Like you, my vision of LeBron's legacy or Jimmy Butler's legacy or Kawhi Leonard's legacy is going to be totally different than what you think his legacy is, right? So... um I just think there are certain players like Michael, like Kobe, like Braun, uh, like Russell, like Will, like Shaq, like all these guys who like we don't need uh, the legacy talk because they they just are who they are. They've cemented cemented. cemented. I'm yeah. glad you, we said that at the same time. Yeah. They've cemented themselves within NBA history as that guy. Yeah. And yeah. um, it just it just is what it is. And numbers don't lie for any of them. So that's our answer, Goose. I appreciate the question. Um, hopefully we answered it the best that we could. You know, what's weird, Drew, is there actually is 
another series going on besides <laughs> is the, there really well you no know what ask michael Somebody malone else is playing right now there's other games going on Ask Michael Malone how tired he is about hearing about the Lakers. He's like, can we just talk about somebody else? Um, <laughs> there is another series going on, and it's completely changed hands. It really has right now. Uh, Boston was down 3-0-3. Um, it's 3-2 right now. They pulled out another ass-whooping last night of the Miami Heat, and it was over in the first quarter, man. I'm going to say like midway through the first quarter, I was already like, cool, I can start watching Yellowstone tonight, right? And every <laughs> well, yeah, season five of Yellowstone's out, and um, I definitely wanted to to watch that, and I thought that game was over quick. Now, uh, Gabe, uh, Gabe Vincent was out of the game, and it's crazy how we're talking. It's so weird how times change where we're like, well, Gabe Vincent isn't playing, so Miami Heat is not going to win this basketball game, but he's been so big for them during the series. Huge. He's been huge for them, right? I mean, if you just yeah, go he's down- a free agent, by the way, clips. And so if we're talking about things that the Laker like wish list, Gabe Vincent, Laker point guard. If we're gonna not have Austin Reeves, let's go get Gabe Vincent. Here we go, Drew. Drew back to the Lakers. See the wish Mike- list. The wish list. <laughs> uh, he's been great, but and he's probably he will be playing in games uh in game six. Um everybody, you know, it's NBA history, nobody's ever come back 03, but right. I really think. You know, Marcus Smart said, don't let us win one. And then they say after the game, don't let us win two. And then it's like, oh, shit, don't let us get one more. Because if you go back, look, we're this isn't this isn't rocket science. This isn't a hot take. Us and everybody else has said the Boston Celtics are a better basketball team. They're better. They're, they're a better basketball team from top to bottom. They, they played horribly in those first three games. I thought Jimmy and the rest of the crew last night was not good. Bam at a bio with six turnovers. They were horrible turnovers. They could not find their offense to save their life. They had to bring in Hightower to play because yeah. Gabe Vincent was it, which is wild. And you know, do you? You're the college guy. You know where that guy went to college? I looked it up last night. Yeah, was it like uh, Wesley? Some Wes? Um... Jesuit, bro. Jesuit. Are you sure? Yeah, Wheeling Jesuit is where this Wheeling, guy went. To Wheeling, college. Wheeling, Wheeling Jesuit is yeah, where this yeah, guy I went to it was college. Wesley, Wheeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to the Miami Heat for finding another freaking star from never heard of that college in the world. Don't know where it is. And they plucked him out of Euro, Euro or China or somewhere too, because he was drafted by Philly or or maybe not even drafted, but Philly was his first team when he was 22. And then he bounced. He had like two or three seasons without being in the NBA. And lo and behold, Miami signs him to some sort of deal. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Well, he's got a great basketball name for real. Like you're meant to be a basketball player. It's a great name. Anyways, that guy cannot be like your third leading score on the team. Jimmy Buckets had 14 <laughs> points. Kevin Love had six. Look, but this is where the production goes down. You look at Bam's numbers and you're like, okay, 16, eight and three, two steals, one block, but he was eight for 15, but it was the six turnovers that were so bad. Max Struess, three points. Lowry, five points. Uh, Duncan Robinson and, and Highsmith, 18 and 15. Uh, and then you look on the other side, and it's so spread out. You know, Jalen Brown, 21. Tatum, 21. 24 for Derek White, who was on fire last night. Mar- him and Marcus Smart in that first quarter. Marcus Smart, in, in particular, in that first quarter was absolutely amazing. Um, they looked really good. Uh, uh, Bazooka Joe was actually making real timeouts and making real coaching yeah. calls. Uh, it was working. So, like I understand NBA history, zero and three, nobody comes back to it. But if you take it for what it's worth, and now looking at it at its three and two, and this team has come back from three and two before, I know it's hard to win four games in a row. But maybe Jimmy and the boys are getting tired. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how to call it right now. I, I, what's Barstool Ben telling you over there? 
Yeah, so he was he was down in the dumps, right? We were both in the same spot, down 3-0. And we were looking over at each other, being like, Well, what the hell just happened? What 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 just happened? We were talking about how we'd be watching these these Western Conference finals and gearing up for a finals matchup between our two teams. Uh, and then we all just shit the bed. Truth, truthfully, I think he is um hopefully optimistic, right? Still, you know, Boston of all the of all of the cities in the world that have that have seen a 3-0 comeback, Boston is one. You know, again, it hasn't happened in the NBA, but it does happen. It happened in hockey, I think, maybe once or twice. And it has happened when the Boston Red Sox came back against the Yankees. Can those guys not where... go to the games anymore either? Do you think that's like Jeter in 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 A Rod? Do you think that's a, a thing? Why are if they I, there? If I was Pat Riley, I'd say get the fuck out of my stadium. You're you not allowed there? You're not allowed back, gentlemen. I appreciate your money. You're not allowed back in the arena until next season. Uh, but yeah, man. So I I think they're like I said, hopefully optimistic. He take he's you know very much taking it one game at a time. I think for sure he thought there was a chance that they would also get swept. Right, like there was a real possibility it was going to go that way. Um, but the Celtics have been able to shoot and make more threes. It game's pretty simple. Clips. Uh, you know, no number one, no Gabe Vincent. It doesn't sound like the Heat are missing a lot, but when there's no Tyler Hero, also, uh, that is a huge miss. Even what there is Tyler Hero, Gabe Vincent is fantastic. He's playing great. He's making tough shots. He's playing really good defense. Uh, very, very good player. Again, a free agent. Late Rob Palinka, please just look at him. Take a look at him. Um, back to the Lakers. Uh, when obviously when the Celtics are making t- able to take and make their threes at the rate at which they have in the last two games, it's obviously abundantly important. When you look at the first three games, they weren't taking as many. They weren't making as many. Uh, I think Miami was forcing them into really difficult shots. And it, the floor has opened up a bit. And I, I'll I'll go back to it, too. Al Horford is very key for this team. When Al Horford makes like two or more threes, I'd love to see the record. When Al Horford makes two or more threes, I guarantee they have a fantastic record. Uh, but overall... Marcus Smart's hitting him. Uh, you, Grant Williams is putting in a couple threes. Hey, uh, we you didn't know. even talk about that because we were the one. We haven't even touched it on that, Drew. Have I, we talked about that since? We we haven't. I figured I, I was actually I was planning on bringing it up. Oh, go for it. it. Go lean into it. Well, no, because I mean we ended up we ended up calling for Grant Williams to play in the game, and and I what what I will defend before I'll defend our statement because both you and I I think were aligned with with Grant Williams coming in to defend Bam. Yes, was not it about Grant Jimmy Williams to come in and defend Jimmy Butler, which again was just like, what are I was watching and I'm like, oh, Grant. Oh, no. Why? Why is he guarding Jimmy Butler? It shouldn't be him. It should be Tatum and Brown on on Jimmy. It should be Grant Williams on Bam, uh, which they kind of have now figured out. Actually, they they made the adjustment. They say, OK, no more Grant Williams on Butler if we can avoid it. You're uh, welcome. Which has, you're, you're welcome, Joe. Yeah, it's been working well for Joe. Uh, ben also did. I'll say this: he he pointed out. He goes, uh, he, he like for for those that aren't aware, he is from Boston, so he's got a very thick Boston accent. And he goes, uh, uh, Brad Stevens must have put a buzzer in Joe Mazzula's pocket <laughs> to call timeouts when he says when this when this buzzes, you call a timeout. <laughs> and so I think there's a chance that Joe might have a buzzer in the pocket oh, and Brad's going, you know, buzz, 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 call timeout, <laughs> call timeout because it's happening oh. much more frequently in the last couple of games. Yeah. Uh, but Tatum has been pay- playing really well. Uh, I think Jalen Brown has been doing good. He seems more engaged. 
Uh, he seems more connected. Um, I think the rotations from Missoula have been pretty good as well. I mean, still every once in a while getting Peyton Pritchard out there, which which really does not make any sense. Obviously, Malcolm Brogdon has a little banged up uh, elbow or shoulder or something, whatever arm is. A lot of air balls in this series too, by the way. A lot of, <laughs> lot of air balls. I'm seeing. But, so, but but let's get back to the the actual truth of the matter is is we're going to Game Six in Miami. Mm-hmm. So this run really feels like the the like a true test for the Celtics, right? Boston or Boston goes down three nothing. Miami Heat got to be puffing out their chest. Gabe Vincent has a, you know whatever his ankles tweaked or whatever in Game Four can't play Game Five. They go okay, okay, okay. Let's go home. We're gonna go home to Miami. We're gonna get 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 a Rod and Jeter in the building. We're gonna win Game Six. Uh, it does kind of feel like that's what it's set up for. Um, it's a must. I'll tell you this. I, I'll tell you this though. If if Boston continues uh, to be able to get their good looks every time in the last two games, especially, they're getting good shots mm-hmm. at the rim. If they continue to play that way, attack when they need to. Uh, you know, challenge Bam Adebayo at the rim, uh, and get 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 those buckets at the at the basket, and then get those kickouts and have those guys hitting threes the way that they are. Then fantastic. Uh, and Miami really has relied on when, especially when Jimmy's not doing well, has relied on Gabe Vincent. Uh, Martin has been huge for Miami. Uh, Duncan Robinson has been huge for Miami. Max Struess, pretty big. Lowry at times can hit, but. It does feel like, as we've said leading into this series, Boston's probably the better team, the more talented team, but Miami is the one that's going to bring it. I, I think this is a real, real test. Clips, I, I got to tell you, I, I want to say Miami's going to win, but I don't have the belief that they're going to win if Gabe Vincent's going to be out there gimping around because he's so crucial to that team. Yeah, I think you're you're totally right. I think the interesting stat was... Miami didn't get a second chance point until like the fourth quarter, meaning they were just getting out rebounded like crazy. Robert Williams was really good. Bam needs to be just the whole Miami needs to be better from top to bottom. Everybody needs to be better. Jimmy needs to have a Jimmy game. This needs to be a closeout game because I think going back to Boston, you're in deep shit. And then you're, you're staring at history books now, you know, and I think Jimmy being as alpha as he's been this whole playoffs, you know, and talking his shit like he should, I think this needs to be your game, Jimmy. You And, and he's and, had some time to he's had some time to recuperate in the last couple of games. Like this is I, I really think we're gonna see a Jimmy Butler performance. And it's and it's gonna be interesting to see if the Celtics can withstand that thing. Cause they can't. That's the thing. They have the firepower, right? They do offensively, they have what it takes to match what Jimmy can put out there. But it does feel like this is going to be a 40-point Jimmy Butler output game. And let's see if the Celtics can can hit their shots and, and keep up the pace. Yeah, I don't think any team beats Miami more in Miami than Boston, too. Like they do really <laughs> they do really well. I let me Miami. say I would love to see it go seven. I really would. I would love for that to be Miami doesn't want that smoke. No, they, they don't. don't. They absolutely no. don't. And they squandered those two wins away. I mean, they really they dominated those first three games. It didn't it. It the, this series really has flipped, and I know I, I probably overreacted to the way that the the Denver Nuggets and and the Phoenix Suns series flipped when it went two zero and then two two, and I got excited for the for the Suns and thinking that they could pull something out their ass. Uh, it's a whole nother thing entirely. You know what we're talking about here is like there really hasn't been 
uh, a, like a close game. <laughs> yeah, this was right? over in the first. I'm so glad I got to watch uh, yeah. episode one and two of the, and I got the highlights on on League Pass. I love it when you can watch a shitty game in in eight minutes, right? Because it's every right. one of the plays. It makes my day. Here's the real question, though, and I think this is a fair question to ask: Is these past two games for Boston, I think, saved Bazooka Joe's job, even with even with these this this litter of really great coaches going out. And I want to say something about that too. Uh, Damian Lillard's been vocal. Gilbert Arenas has been vocal about it. Like, if you're firing head coaches that are winning championships, like, what's the point of being a head coach anymore? What Joker, are we doing? Joker even said the other day, like, I don't, I, why would I want to be a head coach? It's the worst job in the world. And it really is. And, you know, if you're picking from a litter of, 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 of JJ Reddick now too, which I brought up on Steve the Nash, like, Steve Nash is now looking at jobs. Look, there's this, there's this whole pool of really great coaches out there that are probably going to land in, 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 uh, on teams that are playoff teams and whatnot. And some might not be, but like, I think bazooka Joe in these past two games, not getting swept, I think it's going to make people pause and Boston fans pause and be like, all right, maybe we'll run it back one more time. I think it saved Jalen Brown from getting traded or breaking that whole team up yeah. just for fighting and getting to three and two. So do you think it saved bazooka Joe's job? Definitely. I definitely think the fact that he's starting to call timeouts, I'm dead serious. I do think that is huge for him moving forward, but let's be real. They just signed him to an extension right. He's not going anywhere next year, right? right. They're going to give him this year and say, Hey, well done, right? You you had us in the one seed for most of the season. We fell to the two seed. Okay, you know, maybe you lost to this Miami Heat with Spolstra and Butler, and okay, maybe maybe you lost that, but you got us to an Eastern Conference Finals in your first year as a head coach. There's no way they're booting him after this year, even if he doesn't call a timeout for the rest of the fucking playoffs. You think if they got uh, swept, swept, he'd still have a job? Absolutely. They sign, Dude, that's a four-year extension. He what does signed. that matter? They, that doesn't matter anymore. You say it doesn't matter, but but what matters right behind that in co in coordination with that money is Jalen Brown going to get $300 million. Jalen Brown's going to get $295 million next year. And they're going to have to sign Tatum to $350, probably, right? Like, just think about the way that the contracts are going. That's where that money comes into play, right? Boston is not printing money. Uh, the Warriors, the Lakers are not printing money in the way that they can, especially with the new rules. Just go ahead and say, all right, fine. We'll just keep handing, we'll just keep handing ducats out to everybody that wants them. They signed Joe Mazzula to a four-year extension. He's going to be there for at least next year. And then they may reevaluate after that. But um my 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 thought process on this is that he's still learning, right? And the good news for Joe is he's young, right? That's the other thing. It's not like he's some 65-year-old guy that, you know, Doc Rivers, for example. He's not some guy that has this track record that that can't seem to get over the hump. Right. He's a, this is his first experience. I think he's learning on the job. I think people are seeing that he's learning. He he's is trying. He's in the he's Eastern trying. Conference Finals. Huh? He's in the Eastern Conference Finals in the first, in his first year. Okay. In his first year. That's what I'm saying. That, that's good. That's good. First year. Great. Right? Darvin Ham, Western Conference Finals first year. We're not firing that fucking guy. There's no chance. Right. Uh, but there is a short leash to your point. It, you he could win a Joe Mazzulli could win a championship this year, and if in two years from now he's not doing well or not doing better with his lineup rotations, with his with his game planning, uh, with 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 his in game management for for timeouts and and you know lack of understanding of the flow of the game, he will be booted. Like this is the this is the revolving door of the NBA. 
but the good news for Joe is that they, they truly seem to have belief in him. Maybe not the players the way that we hope that the players have belief in him, but the front office certainly does. The ownership group certainly does. Uh, I Look, I, I was shocked when they offered him the extension as fast as they did. I'm pretty sure you were too. It would have been great for them to be like, this is interim. We're going to talk after this year, right? We're, that's what yeah. we're going to do. We're going to talk after this year is over and we're going to see who's out there. I guarantee if they knew that Nick Nurse and Monty Williams and Bud Budenholzer and all the other litany of coaches would be available, uh, I guarantee they would have held off a little bit on that extension offer. I, you know, it would have been smarter business to go again. Let's wait. Let's see how you do this year. Let's see how far we get. And then maybe, you know, they win a championship and Joe's got him, you know, in, in a, in a, in a headlock going, well, now you owe me big money. Then, okay, so be it. So be it. Right. Mm. Uh, but I do think they offered it to him fast, but I think that they're not going to be quick to back out of this. I think they think that this is their guy. And I think that they're willing to let this kind of ride as long as Tatum, and Brown are on board. I I don't see a reason why they would let him go. I'm with you on that, but I, it's going back to this whole future thing, right? Are we going to tie up nine figures in two players? How do you build championship teams if you're going to? If Jalen Brown, I love Jalen Brown. I think Jalen Brown is great. Do I love him for sixty million dollars a year, bro? No, that's the rate though. This is the I thing. I think I get it. I get yeah, it. you and I, you and I, I we we both struggle with like the realities of the contracts. For me, it's like I still don't understand how Jalen Brown's going to make whatever three hundred million dollars for five years. I don't understand how that's a reality that we right. live in, but it is. And Tatum will make more, and Luca will make more, and you know, Trey Young, Devin Booker, like these guys are all going to make more money than that. Mm. And it's it's uh, it's fucking with my brain. But the truth of the matter is, is we look at Jalen Brown's contract and go like, how, why would they handcuff themselves to Jalen Brown if he's not going to improve beyond where maybe this is the best he ever is. The good news for them is that in two years, there's going to be five to 10 to 12 other players that are in that realm in that contract as well. Mm. Right. So they're going to have trade options. We think b- big money means hard to trade, means hard to move away. We from. always thought that. It's not the case anymore right? because these contracts are astro-fucking-nomical. They just keep getting bigger. So there will be trade options for them. And and this is, you know, this goes back to like general management 101. You keep the asset. You keep the asset and then you trade it if it doesn't work out. So they're going to they're gonna sign a deal. It's going to be 295 fucking million dollars for Jalen Brown. And then they're going to give him a good run because Tatum is the guy. They know he's the guy. They, they know that they have a gem in Tatum and he's not going to go anywhere. But I was talking... <laughs> before uh with with Ben before uh the game five win about what it would take for him to be happy with trading Jaden Brown. And this is where we came to uh some some interesting thoughts and Kendrick Perkins ended up the next day after we talked about it echoing it going Damian Lillard for Jalen Brown make the trade what who says no like obviously there's other, maybe there's other pieces involved but why not bring Dame to Boston. And that was Ben's thing. He goes, he thinks that Tatum needs uh, an older guy, somebody like a veteran presence. That's, that's a, just a great score, a leader. I think that could work, but I also got Ben to agree to trading Jalen Brown for the number three overall pick and Jeremy Grant. So if the, if the Portland trailblazers go, we don't want to trade Damian Lillard, like they've said for a long time. And Dame goes, I don't want to leave. 
Then Dame says, okay, well, let's go get Jalen Brown. We'll give away this number three overall pick, which Trailblazers have said has fl- have floated out as being available for trade. We'll trade that. We'll we'll sign and trade Jeremy Grant, and we'll get Jalen Brown on our books for $300 million, and we'll, and we'll do and something Boston, like that. And Boston gets Scoot. Most Boston likely. gets Scoot or Brandon right. Miller. Right. And Jeremy I, Grant. I like it. I like it. And then you have Scoot on the rookie contract. Jeremy's not too expensive, I guess, in NBA terms. He won't be that expensive, no. I like it. I, I like it. I think that there just has to be – I understand maybe it's me being boomer and like $60 million a year to play basketball. Like no. I wouldn't care about winning a championship either. Right. Like it, get, give me my money, right? But you look at the Miami blueprint and it's like, damn, we got all these guys, right? And it can't happen for every team. People's scouting departments aren't aren't that that good. Um, just getting a group of guys for at a decent price – that want to compete for a championship. One alpha dude, one really great superstar, which Jimmy, I, you know, and I've said for six years on this show, I never thought Jimmy was a superstar caliber kind of guy. But as we go through the seasons, it's like, damn, he is. He is that mm-hmm. guy. Um, but he didn't show up in that last game. So bottom line is this. It's a must win for Boston. It's a must win for Miami this game six. Because it's gonna, I mean, it, it it this should be like the game seven for both teams. You need this victory. If Boston can just get pull this out and get it back home, yep. it's a different story. And Miami, I think Miami needs this one more more than anything than taking it to a game seven. Yeah, and I think we can expect both Butler and and Tatum to show up in this game. I think we can we can look at that game and go, both those guys are going to be ready to go, and they both will be putting in putting in buckets. I think if you're a Miami fan, you go all right, we're at home and our shooters should shoot better at home because they have not uh, in the last two games. They have not put the ball in the hoop. Uh, Struess, Lowry, Martin. Martin had a couple of good games in there, but but everybody for the Heat shooting threes specifically has been a little off in the last two games. They go, okay, we're, we're back home game six. Shooters shoot better at home. Duncan Robinson will shoot better at home. Uh, all those other guys will shoot better at home and we're going we're gonna to try and keep the pace at least with the three-pointers. I know they're not a three-point specialist type of team. They don't take that many, as opposed to Boston, who takes a shit. They take like 40 a game. Boston does. Uh, Miami doesn't take that many, but they make the ones that they take because they get good looks. And so that's the thing that I think will push the heat over the edge. If I'm thinking about it in big-picture terms, you know, you, you, you're you going to assume Bam's not going to have six, seven turnovers in the next game, and he's going to make better decisions and maybe make better shots himself being at home, being a little bit more comfortable with the surroundings. Uh, and you got to hope that that the uh, the opposite also happens potentially for the Celtics shooters. They're away from home, so maybe they don't hit at the clip that they were in Game Five. Maybe they're not hitting at the clip that they were in Game Four. Um, if yeah, if I was a Miami Heat fan, I would lean on that and say that that's the reason that you know Jimmy was going to perform. Maybe Tatum matches him, but everybody else is going to be able to step up at home for Game Six. Facts. I also think Jimmy needs to be the best player in the building for Miami to win, and he needs. I think and he, he will. That. And I, I think, think he will be. Good. I think so too. I want to take a, a quick tour around the NBA really fast before we get into final thought and get out of here. A um, couple things happened today that I wanted to bring up that I found absolutely hilarious and kind of scary at the same time. And the first, you know, going off of talking about Boston, we had talked about this on a, a you know many podcasts ago. But uh, the NBA has opened an official review into referee Eric Lewis's supposed <laughs> Twitter burner, right? He was kind of called out a few months ago with him being a Celtics fan. His whole family is a Celtics fan. From what I have gathered, I think he like he him and his wife had this in common. This is why they got married. Like they love this basketball team so much. There was also a uh, uh, 
a video that went around one of Eric Lewis's games where it was a close game and the there it was Boston playing and the opposing team hit a big shot and you see him get like ah. he was like wincing. Yeah, he was pissed, right? And you go through some of the things that this guy was saying on the burner. I think it's really it, they he used his AOL account. Okay. <laughs> it's not, so he's not a tech genius. No, old saying. people still have AOL accounts. Right. But he uses AOL account and all of the, you know, there's Twitter detectives all over the place. And they were going through just history of, of tweets that this guy, and you know, it had the egg as the picture. He didn't really use a picture. And it was just him defending referees. And he used G-T-O-H a lot. Like, get the fuck out of here. That was his, like, famous line. Like, get the fuck out of here. You don't yeah, know what you're talking about. I'm like, man, this is not good for the game. And honestly, if it comes back that this is true, and I'm, I'm, I don't know for sure, but it's look, it's looking that way, it's leaning that way that this guy had a burner account. I, I don't think uh, Eric Lewis can be a referee anymore. I think he's going to be uh, fired pretty quick. Isn't it kind of scary though, Drew? Like maybe that some of these games. We always think that some of the games come down to referees and bias, and oh, it's rigged and. And all that shit, but you cannot be a diehard NBA team fan and be an NBA referee. It just does not work. This is going to be really difficult for the NBA to navigate because, in order for them to like put any sort of real punishment on him, they're going to have to prove that he uh, shaved some points off of a game or or blew some very specific calls. And the good news for the NBA is that they have a shit ton of tape and, and all different angles for them to cover. Uh, and they have the the money and and the and the personnel to go through it all, and and hopefully they'll get to the bottom of this. I don't. He should not be. He should not be fired for having a burner account. I, he should only be fired for altering games. Uh, having a burner account is what Kevin Durant did, and nobody nobody's going to fire Kevin Durant and stop him from playing basketball, from defending himself. And I think a lot of NBA refs would love if people just came to their defense. And I'm maybe not the only referee out there that has a burner account to 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 combat the Twitter and IG trolls that exist in the world. I don't think it's a bad look for him to be like, get the fuck out of here, man. The refs didn't do nothing wrong. Ha <laughs> ha. I do think it's a bad look if in that game he's like actually i had celtics by seven so i made sure that that team lost by you know five or whatever you know you know it once it gets into the betting realm then the nba has a very clear and easy path to part ways if it's just uh you know rumors if it's just oh you know the record that the celtics have like it hasn't stopped scott foster from refereeing chris paul games for all these years it's not going to stop the nba from employing a decent ref as long as the Lakers and Celtics aren't playing. I think there's rules again. Clips is going back to rules. I don't know the, the rules. I can ask somebody the rules. Um, I'm pretty sure you're not allowed to have a burner account. If you're not allowed to discuss a basketball game after the game or talk about it uh, with the media or with fans and whatnot, I surely believe you're not allowed to do it on Twitter from a burner account. I agree with you. Is it a, a is it John Morant doing what he's doing? Probably not. It's going on. But why are you defending yourself? Why do you feel you have to defend yourself? Um, I just, I don't know the rules. I, I just think it's, it's very awkward. And this guy did it for a reason to be uh, inconspicuous and like not make it look like it's him doing it. You feel me? So I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny because I don't think it's funny if this guy loses his job, but it's looking that way. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. And then last but not least, can't have a follow through clips and Drew season without our boy always tripping Scotty Pippen coming out with something oh to my say. God. 
uh, and he came out. I don't know. Oh, it was on uh, Stacy King's. Give me that. Give me the hot sauce. I think that's his podcast. State shout out to Stacy King. Shout uh, out. Yeah, shout out to everybody's got a podcast now. They're like assholes, as Blake Griffin said. Uh, <laughs> the quote from Scotty was, "I've seen Michael Jordan play before I came to the Bulls. He's a horrible player." He was horrible to play with. One-on-one shooting bad shots. All of a sudden, we're, we're a team winning. Everyone forgot who he was. And this is just like, look, let's take it back really quick to legacy talk, okay? Five years ago, we could have just gone into the sunset saying Scottie Pippen is arguably the best two-way player to ever <laughs> play basketball. Six championship rings. This guy has been awesome. Maybe not had the best in his relationships, but he's still going to be one of the goats with those Chicago Bulls teams. He th- these little things that Scotty has done throughout the year is what affects legacy. This is how we're going to start remembering Scotty Pippen. This generation of of you know 20, 25 year olds around there, maybe a little bit younger, are going to think Scotty Pippen is just uh this this old NBA player that played with Michael Jordan, won a couple rings. Scotty Pippen was uh, you know on the goddamn dream team. This guy was at one point, this is the guy that literally maybe is maybe he's the reason they won all these champions. I mean, the other reason they won all these championships, which I'm I don't think we need to argue that Scotty was pivotal in all of them winning the chips. It's these little things, these little slights that we saw in the last dance that we've seen in this book that came up that we're seeing on Stacy King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast, where you're coming out here saying that Michael Jordan was a horrible basketball player. You know, this is how people are going to remember you. And it's just a shitty thing to say. And you know who doesn't say anything ever is Michael, right? (laughs) Michael just sits back and lets these guys burn their own house down if that's what they want to do. Because people that have their legacy solidified don't need to say shit. I just think it's it's Pippen reaching to stay in the limelight a little bit longer uh, by saying these erroneous comments. And it's getting old, Drew. Like, I'm kind of over it, right? Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm bummed out that they're not you know, buddies. I will say that when, you know, when I was little, I was like, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's Jordan and Pippen, baby. Like Mm -hmm. that's, it's one and two, like Mm -hmm. that's, that's where it's at. Right. And, and, in the same way, when I was a child, it was Shaq and Kobe. It was like, why, how are these guys fighting? But you know, egos get in the way of a lot of things, especially for men. And Scotty's letting that get the best of him. I'll be honest with him. Uh, He's, he's clearly fucking like, off his rocker when it comes to his analysis of Michael Jordan's play. Uh, there's no, there's nobody in the world who would look at Michael Jordan's team that he was playing with in his first couple seasons when he was going and breaking all the scoring records and go like, Oh yeah, Mike should be passing the ball more. Mm. Uh, get the fuck out of here. Guess who did pass the ball more once he had players around him who he trusted, who he knew would, would be in the foxhole with him, who could hit a shot under pressure. Michael was passing the ball to Pax and to Kerr, uh, not to Scotty. So maybe that's what Scotty's a little sore about. He's passing to Coach. Anyway, it it's Scotty just being bitter. Scotty just trying to to, I don't know, keep himself in the in the culture, keep himself uh in the Twitter sphere, keep himself relevant. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, is Michael continues to be the most relevant player that's ever retired in any sport. And Scotty keeps speaking, digging a hole deeper for himself. Like people are going to change their mind because Scotty Pippen on the hot sauce podcast was like, yeah, he was a really bad one-on-one player. Couldn't shoot. Like, come there's on. There's going to be two. There's going to be two or three Isaiah Thomas truthers that go, 
Thank you, Scotty. I, this is what I was saying. I was saying this the whole time. He was trash. Michael, Michael sucks. <laughs> Michael sucks. Isaiah Thomas is the best. Oh, Michael was trash. This is crazy. Just chill, Pippen. Hey, final thoughts, Drew. Give me yours. Yeah. Well, I'm going to stick with the Miami Heat series, uh, but it's going to be very specific. Um, we're going to talk about Duncan Robinson, a guy that has finally resurged uh, and resurfaced in this postseason for the Miami Heat who is now the all-time three-point leader in playoff threes for the entirety of the Miami Heat organization, passing LeBron James. Crazy. First, it's crazy that LeBron is the all-time three-point leader for their franchise. Second, it's crazier still that Duncan Robinson now has that crown, if you will. Uh, so let me just say this. It is relatively low-hanging fruit when you think about it. It's not, the, it's not like some tremendous feat where Duncan had to make 300 threes Duncan made 124 threes before last night's game five so he's at 126 again now the leading all-time three-point maker for the Miami Heat but he did it clips in four years this is where it gets interesting in those four years he only played 53 postseason games (laughs) because he did not play a lot in the postseason uh at least in the last two seasons prior to this three threes a game and beyond that, he's averaging 40% in his playoff career from three. So I just want to give a shout-out to Duncan Robinson. It's great to see him back uh, uh, you know, contributing to winning games, being the guy that we all know he can be uh, offensively, which is a, is a sharp shooter at his best. Kyle Korver, Reggie Miller, uh, definitely up there with those guys when he's hitting his stride and, and confident. Uh, I just want to give the guy a shout out because not only did you and I, but a bunch of people in the NBA sphere looked at what he what he accomplished by making it to the NBA and doing what he did in that first year, then snagging that massive contract and going, oh, no, oh, no, he's 90 million dollars is the worst contract in the NBA. Well, you know what? You look around, and as we were talking about Jalen Brown on the on the verge of a 300 million dollar contract, 90 million for Duncan Robinson sounds like a steal these days. Uh, and when he's contributing, you know, it makes that number seem a lot smaller. So just big shout out to Duncan Robinson. Very happy to see him back doing his thing. Uh, he's got more money on that deal over the next couple of years. And I think he'll be around either Miami or somewhere. He'll be able to do this continually for, for his career. I'm just, I'm excited for the kid. So he probably would have got your flowers this week. If we were still doing flowers, we're not going to bring flowers back till, till next season, but, uh, that is, that's huge. That's a crazy number. I think playoff threes are our postseason threes it's a wild category if you look at those yeah. top 10 i think draymond green has more than dirk Nowitzki, if i'm not yep. mistaken that says a lot right yeah so, it's also like how how few threes was miami hitting in these years so it's been so many years like they're just not making any threes like duncan robinson well, lebron 100... definitely wasn't right that's like, what i mean like lebron had lebron was only there for four years also lebron was in miami for four seasons or whatever maybe five uh, and and he was the the one who who was the crown uh, winner there when it comes to the three pointers. So it's a it, like I said, low hanging fruit, but it is a record that that Duncan will own for some time, I think, unless Tyler Hero stays with Miami for a while. Well, that was uh, that was Paleo LeBron too, which was a, just a whole different beast. Hey, was- and he was posting up a lot, honestly. Chris Bosh was shooting more threes than LeBron. That Paleo LeBron was a different beast. Uh, my mine's going to be really short. Uh, I'm going to try to make it really short. And I was, it was much longer a couple nights ago when I got frustrated, but I'm going to keep this short, man. And uh, I want to say that 
I hated white man can't jump. Right? <laughs> I hated white man can't jump. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but you know, white man can't jump to me. And we've, we've said it on the show. I've, we've said it on our basketball news round, round, uh, round table. When we were breaking down basketball movies, white man can't jump is my favorite movie of all time. Not just mm-hmm. basketball movie. It's my favorite movie. As I sit doing this podcast, I'm looking at my original uh, original movie poster of white man can't jump. It's my, one of my favorite pieces in my house. I love this movie. It is so big for our culture. It's so big for my childhood. It just brings me back to like, it made me want to play at Venice beach. It, you know, it just pulled out this. It takes me back every time I watch it and some things don't need to be remade. All right. And I was really rude and vulgar on our page blasting this movie because you know what somebody somebody loved the movie enough to rewrite it and try to make something special out of it try to give it this this remake and whatnot i just i did not appreciate it i thought all the nuances and all the things they wanted to make it like hip-hop and make it like 2023 i just was not feeling it i wasn't feeling jack harlow i even have on my personal page i said in march of 2022 when they said they were rewriting this movie and they're coming out with it again i was not for it you don't Mm. need to remake this movie now what i wish they would have done is done something completely different do something inspired by white man can't jump and make another movie like white man can't jump without calling it that maybe do a rebrand like they did with karate kid which is one of the greatest 80 movies of all time and do a rebrand of cobra kai right and it's it's these people 30 years we could have had snipes and and woody who are still alive their kids could have been in some trouble with the stoogie brothers again they're at college playing maybe the stoogie brothers are trying to fix games and they're trying to do something like i just wrote a much better movie than this shit i could add chat gbt write a better movie than this right now (laughs) i wasn't happy with it i was already uh biased going into watching the movie and then being like three minutes in seeing that they have a follow-through hat rocking uh you know the the main character's son little son's name's drew you know my affiliation with venice beach i was upset that we weren't invited you know weren't invited to be part of any of it so maybe it was me being a little bitter and butthurt that we weren't be able to be a part of it but this other follow-through is allowed to be a part of it not feeling it pissed off i didn't like it i think all basketball purists and people most people uh did not like it the people that hit me up even douchebag john was like or did you, did you watch it yet? And I said, no, bro, I'm not watching it because I'm t- it's my own personal protest. And then the more I thought about it, you know, we have to watch it. I have to watch it. And I didn't even make I'm it. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not going to watch it. Don't. If you heard it, you heard it from clips here first. If you love white men can't jump, which most basketball fans and most people do, don't watch it if you're expecting something great. And uh, I was a little upset. I wish they would have done it completely different, named it something else taken a different piece of all these other movies that, you know, uh, it could have been about a better basketball movie. And I wasn't happy with it, Drew. And I'm okay. It's okay to be unhappy with it, right? Nothing's ever going to beat the original. It never works. You're right. I Yeah. I mean, look, I we talk about sequels a lot. I think there's only two good ones. It's The Godfather 2 and it's Home Alone 2. Those are the only two sequels. Maybe Die Hard 2. Die Hard 2 was pretty good also. But outside of that, there's not a whole lot of sequels that are very good. And there's almost none that are remakes, uh, especially remakes that come out streaming on Hulu. Hulu. Uh, so, yeah. I, I Look, Jack Harlow, I get it, right? He's you know he's, he's part of the culture. He's, he's a decent basketball player. He's in 
commercials with your boy Kawhi Leonard and New Balance commercials, and he's in, doing his All Star NBA all all you know, appearances for the celebrity games and and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, this movie definitely could have just been not made, right? Definitely could have just been not made uh, or made better. Uh, but look, you know, I I feel the same way about Space Jam too. I will never watch Space Jam two, the LeBron James version. I, I won't. Did. I won't watch that. I don't need to watch it. I'm sure it's great for some people. For me, it will be nine, 80 minutes of of just agony, and I just feel the same way about this movie. I, I refuse to watch it. I will not watch it. Uh, although I don't hate Jack Harlow, I actually think Jack Harlow is. Kind I of do fun. too. I think he's a decent rapper or whatever. But yeah, this one definitely could have been uh, left on the shelf. Or if, make it a, a instead of making it a remake of White Man Can't Jump movie, like I just suggested, of making a you know uh, a rebrand of it, like right. make it a series like Cobra Kai did, like make it a really cool series and let's get involved in these people's lives and figure yeah. it out. And like, look, Adam Sandler's movie, and I'm forgetting the name hustle hustle. Okay. That movie, which I loved took a piece of every best, uh, all the great basketball movies of all time. You can see it. There's above the rim in it. There's white men can't jump in it. There's Hoosiers in it. There's all of that in it, uh, in, in their vision to create a really cool movie and I appreciated it and I loved it for that reason. I just think that, you know, especially in these, in this day and age, like nobody wants to, everybody just wants to take something old and redo it. It's like, right. you know, come out and make the Goonies again. Try it, man. It's never <laughs> going to happen and it's going to be horrible. Let me say this. Is it, here's another one I'll just throw at you before we close. I think a remake of Blue Chips would actually be good because especially you could, right you now could, with NIL. That's what I'm saying. Like right. you have a whole lot of different stuff with different angles to go on blue chips and what recruiting is like. You can let Nick Nolte not be the head coach, right? We can let Nick Nolte right into the Bobby Knight ain't working. Give it to the uh, real Bobby Knight. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but that would have been, I think, a more appealing remake to me, uh, as opposed to something so unique as White Man Can't Jump. White Man Can't Jump is so unique and it's it it just feels like a a shitty uh, traced version of a Picasso painting. And yo, if if Jonathan Kaminga is not going to get any burn on the Golden State Warriors, he could be the main character <laughs> in Blue Chips. It could be Blue Jonathan Chips, Kaminga. <laughs> Give me Moses Moody, Moody, Moses, Moses Moody. <laughs> mo, 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 uh, hey, I hope everybody enjoyed our AI intro last week. I don't know if Drew's going to let me do it this week, but I'm going to keep it going. I'm learning all these new tricks. Just keep your ears open. I know a lot of people liked it. Uh, by the time we do our next show, we're going to have an NBA Finals preview. That's what's just what's going to happen. It's going to be Boston. It's going to be Miami. I'm sure Denver is just wants Boston to get another one because Joker is just probably riding his horses right now, yeah. chilling by the pool. Keep chilling. They're getting all the rest that they want. And uh, we're going to have a final, final previews shortly. So it's the follow-through with Clips and Drew, and we're ghost. You know what it is, you know what it is.